Welcome to Monday on the Pure Opelka Podcast. Mike here. How was your weekend? I hope it was great. Mine was pretty damn good. Had a good time. Played some good golf and some bad golf and did some stuff at home and hung outside, which is really important. And I didn't really watch too much of the politics, but I read all the updates. So yesterday I caught up and this morning I caught up and I'm loaded for bear. And I, I, have, um, I have some thoughts on the plane that crashed after breaking the D.C. airspace. And we'll get to that. I want to first talk about the, um, the debt ceiling bill that was signed quietly on Saturday. Saturday afternoon with virtually none of the press hanging out. None of the usual fanfare when the Democrats have a bill signing and the president calls everybody either to the garden or to the White House. That didn't happen. And why? Why didn't that happen? You have to ask yourself, why, 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 in the words of Joe Biden? Why wasn't there a lot of pomp and circumstance around this? Is it because the White House knows? Joe Biden knows this is a a bad deal? That is not good for anybody here in the country. I'll tell you, there is one White House that knows about the bad deal. That one White House is Senator Sheldon White House. Senator Sheldon White House, a Democrat who was on with Al Sharpton on MSNBC. And it was there that Sheldon White House may have said the quiet part out loud when he was asked about the debt ceiling deal. Democrats would appear to be operating from a place of strength right now. How do you expect that in, uh, that to impact uh, the priorities across both chambers going into the upcoming uh, election year? Well, I think um, if you look at the quiet signing ceremony that Joe Biden had, he did not take a big victory lap. Um, I think he understands that in the cage match of Washington, D.C. politics, He gave the Republicans one heck of a thrashing. But in the world of policy and of families and of people going to work, uh, there was nothing in that bill that was very good for anybody in America. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you catch that last part? That last part, which I'm, I'm betting the Democrats and the DNC are screaming, don't let him near a camera and a microphone again. The very last bit of that. In the world of policy and of families and of people going to work, uh, there was nothing in that bill that was very good for anybody in America. In terms of that bill, we're now being told that there's, there's nothing in that bill that's good for America. Well, if you're a Democrat that's really wanting the average Joe to have a better life, to have more purchasing power, to have a better future for their kids, better education... Isn't it better to have held off than to push through a bill that has nothing for the average American? Let's hear that again. In the world of policy and of families and of people going to work, uh, there was nothing in that bill that was very good for anybody in America. Nothing in that bill that was very good for anybody in America. That better be in a few campaign ads going forward. I'm just saying. Friday night, Joe bumped into Jeopardy on the East Coast and screwed up my Friday early evening, cut off about 18 minutes of Jeopardy. But, you know, I guess he's allowed to cut in, but it wasn't for anything important. He was telling us that how happy he was that 
he signed this bill or was going to sign the bill. This is the evening before the Saturday afternoon, basically not covered signing event at the White House. This was one of the points that Joe Biden wanted to make about that big bill. We're going to do even more to reduce the deficit. We need to control spending if we're going to do that. But we also have to raise revenue. So Joe said, we're going to do even more to control spending. The Democrats never want to control spending. Never, never. That's never their position. So I'm dubious about that. And then he wanted us to know that we have to raise revenue. And how do you raise revenue? Where does revenue come from? Does revenue come from Democrats selling Democrat dogs on the steps of the Capitol as all the summer visitors to the United States Capitol show up? No. Revenue comes from you and me in the form of taxes. And trust me, that's going to be the push. You're going to hear all the Democrats talking about how this this doesn't raise any money. It doesn't raise any revenue. Well, maybe you should stop spending. If you're not going to get a raise at work, then you have to control your spending. I just can't believe Sheldon Whitehouse said the quiet part out loud. In the world of policy and of families and of people going to work, uh, there was nothing in that bill that was very good for anybody in America. Yeah, I finally agree with the Democrat on something. There's nothing in that bill that's really any good for anybody in America. Kind of feels like um, the mainstream media is starting to catch on to Joe Biden and the Democrats, too. Margaret Brennan over at CBS was talking about the president taking a victory lap on this or not taking a victory lap on it, or maybe he shouldn't have taken one. But let's put this in perspective. This is the president taking a victory lap on being able to achieve a basic matter of governance, (laughs) not defaulting on debt. So that is what we are now setting as a, a victory here. That's the level of dysfunction. It's a very low bar that the Democrats are setting. But CBS is talking about it. Very interesting. Keep your eyes on the media because they're they're telling us stuff and they're trying to deflect and distract as well. Debbie, what's her name? Schultz from Florida. Congresswoman Schultz was on with Al Sharpton as well, talking about the uh, passage of this bill and actually talking about some of the 2024 GOP candidates. The nerve of MAGA extremism like DeSantis and Nikki Haley and Tim Scott they refused to even put on the table restoring some of the $1.9 trillion tax cuts that were unpaid for that blew a hole in our deficit on their watch under Donald Trump. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Representative What's-Your-Name Schultz, but uh, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, not in Congress, not in the House and Senate right now. They wouldn't put anything on the table Anyway, because they can't, they're going to try and demonize anyone. And she uses that pejorative, those extreme MAGA people. They're extreme for wanting government to rein in spending. Speaking of spending, the uh, American people are in bad shape. CBS, again, surprising me, talking about how stubbornly high inflation is and what it's doing to the people. There were also layoffs in the tech sector and a sharp rise in black unemployment that pushed up the overall jobless rate. It's a snapshot of a complicated, wobbly economy. 
with stubbornly high inflation and the specter of a recession. Pessimism's having a late spring to remember. In a recent Gallup poll, 55% of people believe their financial situation is only fair or poor. Half say it's worsening. Fewer Americans, less than two in three, have $400 squirreled away for an emergency. And that's the bonus one of you. For house hunters, that struggle hits home. Loan applications down roughly 30% from a year ago. Why? Rising interest rates, now just under 7%, tightening credit, and cities like Orlando have a startling lack of inventory. One-third the sellers this market needs. So last Friday's unemployment numbers that look so good if you're in the administration, the number of jobs, and we talked about this on the podcast late in the week, the number of jobs really reflects the fact that people are taking a couple of jobs. So we have an economy that is really flashing a lot of red lights right now. There are problems in specific sectors, a tech sector had layoffs, you look at black unemployment on the rise, which forced the overall unemployment higher. You look at the cost of borrowing that's going to put a crimp in home sales. That's also going to put a crimp in auto sales. You look at the fact that inflation has been eating away at people's money for the past two years. Gee, I wonder what happened just over two years ago. And people don't have 400 bucks put away for an emergency. of America does not have $400 that they could get to if they had an emergency. This economy is in trouble. On top of that, we have this administration and what it's allowing China to do all over the world. And then what it allowed China to do over the weekend. A Chinese military ship nearly hit an American destroyer in the waters off the Asian Peninsula, came within 150 feet, which is like standing next to somebody with a couple inches between you in terms of those naval ships. It's a provocation. We have not put China in its place. Back in February, Joe Biden said he planned to speak with Xi Jinping after the Chinese spy balloon. He has not done that. At least, I don't think he has. Somebody asked KGP, cringe, Corinne Jean-Pierre, if there's a call. How about, uh, how about any, um, I know you're going to tell me you've got nothing to share, but uh, how, many, how about a phone call to President Xi? Well, look, the president uh, uh, is looking forward to, uh, pres- to speaking to President Xi. As you know, they've spoken many times in the last two years. Uh, just don't have anything to read out. When the, the time per- is appropriate, certainly that conversation will occur. That is embarrassing. There has not been a conversation. And for Cringe to say, well, the president has spoken many times. He's looking forward to it. I don't have anything to report. February, the first week of February, a Chinese spy balloon was allowed to float over this country, collecting information and God knows what else. We finally shot it down. Then we had the near miss off the Asian peninsula between a Chinese military ship and a U.S. destroyer. And today, CBS News reporting, of course, CBS seeming to break from the administration, actually doing journalism again, about uh, U.S. officials arriving in Beijing. China's defense minister refuses to speak to Secretary Austin, but two top U.S. officials are arriving in Beijing today in an attempt to thaw relations. The visit comes after CIA Director Bill Burns' secret trip to China last month, becoming the most senior Biden administration official to visit Beijing since our relationship with China sharply deteriorated. 
So we did have a secret meeting last month, but the Secretary of Defense is getting the ghosting from the Chinese military leader. And we now have two U.S. officials in Beijing, but it doesn't appear that we have anything serious happening. We don't have anyone saying, yeah, yeah, let's sit down and see what we can do. No, China's doing whatever the hell they want. We'll try and get Gordon Chang in here to break down all of this for us. I I think that would be great to get his perspective on how much of this may have happened because Joe Biden fell on his face on a stage last week. I wonder. They see the weakness. The weakness is seen all over the world. And China's just doing whatever the hell they want. It's irritating, to say the least. Hey, if you've missed James Comey, the former FBI director, he showed up on MSNBC this weekend, of course, looking very casual, had kind of a a sporty outfit on with a T-shirt and something you'd wear to the gym, a little light jacket. And he wanted to tell us just how important it is for Joe Biden to get reelected. You were a Republican most of your life, uh, but voted for, and you may still consider yourself one, but voted for Biden in 2020. Do you intend to vote for him again, or is there anyone on the Republican side you might consider if it's not Trump? It has to be Joe Biden, and and I'm glad he's willing to serve. It has to be somebody committed to the rule of law, committed to the values of this country. And I'm not talking about policy. People can disagree about policy. There are things above those disagreements that all of us should think about the same way. The president must be someone who abides the law in our Constitution. And there's no one else but Joe Biden. Wow. It must be Joe Biden. Well, it is MSNBC, and he was getting questions from Jen Snarky. So there you have it. All right, let's talk about the plane. This is a tragedy. A family is devastated. Four people are dead. The pilot, the uh, daughter, granddaughter, and nanny of the owners were aboard this private jet that was flying apparently from Tennessee to Long Island. But somewhere along the way, and this is the story we have at the moment I'm recording this, somewhere along the way, the pilot passed out. And we assume everybody on the flight passed out because it appears the cabin pressure failed. And when that happens, everybody just goes to sleep. If you remember the Payne Stewart story from years ago, the golfer who had a similar situation, that's how he died. That's how everyone aboard that plane died. But in this case, we scrambled jets. We scrambled F-16s out of D.C., out of New Jersey, to follow this plane as it was headed towards Long Island. And when they scrambled, they were given permission to break the sound barrier because you're not allowed to do that because it breaks windows and stuff and scares the hell out of people, which it did on Sunday. But here's the weird part. The plane was on autopilot. That's what you do. You take off. You get to your cruising altitude. You set autopilot. It's very sophisticated. It takes you almost all the way to your destination. And then you land the plane yourself. Well, this thing went over protected airspace and then got up to Long Island and turned around, did a 180-degree turn and started heading back the same direction. And that's what I wonder. What happened? Is that what autopilot does when it reaches the area of the planned destination? If it's not dropping down towards its landing area, does it just start returning back to home base? I don't know. But these fighter jets followed the plane, reportedly fired 
warning flares to try and alert them. Hey, you're you're not supposed to be here. What the hell is going on? They couldn't reach him. And they apparently said they had visual contact and saw that the pilot appeared to be asleep, probably dead at this point. God knows what was going on. And then it crashed in the woods way out in western Virginia, crashed in the woods. There is a report that I heard this morning that said that plane dropped 30,000 feet in just under a minute. Did we shoot it down? I wonder. I'm sure we had the authority to, and I would hope we would protect Washington, D.C., and the president and whomever is leading the country in the House and the Senate, etc., But I wonder why we didn't go after the Chinese spy balloon with the same kind of vigor. Just throwing that out there. Now, it is a tragedy. You have a family that's devastated. A a woman has lost her daughter, her granddaughter. The, The family of the nanny is gone. The family of the pilot that's gone. They're they're all devastated. But I wonder if there's a black box recording we can have. I wonder if we'll hear the chatter between the F-16 pilots. I just wonder if we shot it down. Just wondering. I hope we will find out. I'm dubious, but I'm hopeful. A couple other stories that are catching my attention, things we need to pay attention to. This week, we're going to get some more people jumping into the presidential race. We're going to hear that Mike Pence is officially in. He was in Iowa already showing signs of working it as a candidate, riding the motorcycle with Joni Ernst. Uh, ride and roast event, which is kind of cool. Chris Christie's going to jump in, and that could cause a sonic boom, too. Chris Christie's going to jump in, but he's coming in only because he's mad and he wants to stop Donald Trump. Nikki Haley had a town hall. It was kind of interesting. Jake Tapper hosted it. Somebody should have given him a lozenge. He sounded horrible, but I don't think it'll show any real numbers. I believe the um, Mike Pence... Town Hall is Wednesday, I believe. Vivek Ramiswamy was in Iowa as well, and he said he would not reinstate the transgender ban in the military. Hmm. We need to hear from him. Let's try and get him on the, on the horn here. Robert Kennedy Jr. has been invited to do a Twitter spaces with Elon Musk, and at the same time, the Twitter co-founder, Jack Dorsey, has endorsed Robert Kennedy Jr., And I firmly believe Robert Kennedy is going to eat away a lot of GOP support, especially in the center. Just saying. I know a lot of people are saying, no, 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 he's going to hurt Biden. I think he hurts both. And Tim Scott's on The View today. I am taping this before The View, so we will likely have highlights. And I hope there are some cringeworthy highlights of Joy Behar being embarrassed. You know, Joy, she dresses in blackface and then denies it. And then calls Tim Scott and Clarence Thomas, basically Uncle Toms. Yeah. Joy Behar normally doesn't work on Mondays on The View, but she's coming in for this one. It should be fantastic. Some media news. It looks like Chuck Todd has finally grown tired of being uh, picked on by everybody. He's a sensitive boy, don't you know? And he's leaving Meet the Press. Kristen Welker's going to take that spot. NBC will check a box for bringing a female in there. Good for them. God bless. Whatever. I still miss. I still miss Tim Russert. 
He was the best. The absolute best. Uh, other stories I, I want to get to before we get Lauren Fix, the car coach, in here. Get ready to pay more at the pump. Gas prices are going to go up. OPEC has said they're going to cut 1.4 to 1.5 million barrels a day in oil production. Saudi Arabia is going to cut a million barrels a day alone. That's a big stinking deal. That is a very big stinking deal. The Writers Guild still on strike, but the uh, Directors Guild reached an agreement. I don't know what that means. I guess it means the directors are ready to go if there are any existing scripts out there, but there won't be any new scripts out there. And if you're looking to save the planet, maybe eat some chocolate. There's a new study that shows uh, cocoa beans when they separate the beans from the, the chaff there. That chaff could be a vital part of capturing carbon, which, you know, everybody says we have to capture all the carbon we can to keep the earth from boiling over. So eat more chocolate. Details on that coming up in the very near future. Uh, one other story before we get to the automotive world. 13 years ago, somebody in China ordered three brand new Tesla Roadsters. They were little cars built on the Lotus Elysee platform, tiny little Roadsters. They were a lot of fun to drive. I test drove one on Earth Day back in 2006 out in California. They were expensive. They were like $110,000 then. Somebody ordered three of them and had them shipped to China back then, 13 years ago. They were going to take them apart and reverse engineer them. That's what China does. They steal our stuff. But they never got delivered because the guy who bought them and paid to ship them died. So they've been sitting in a port in storage, unopened, untouched for 13 years. Somebody found them. The $300,000 worth of Teslas has now been auctioned off. And it's over $2 million that has been paid for them. And they will be shipped, I believe, to a buyer in Dubai. Their batteries, unfortunately, don't work. So someone's going to have to replace the batteries. They, they are called uh, bricks at this point. Your batteries get bricked when you don't charge them, discharge them, and recharge them over time. So somebody, I don't know who made the money on this, maybe the estate of the the guy who passed away, but the Roadsters, three Tesla Roadsters from 2010 found sitting in a shipping container in Kuaijiang, China. $2 million, more than $2 million already. Shipped to Dubai, which is going to take two to three weeks anyway. We'll follow up on that if we will, but we got to do some automotive stuff. And since cars are such a vital part of our, our life, they affect everybody, really. Think about it. Cars affect every single person. Everyone here is affected by cars. If we didn't have cars, your life would be different. You drive a car, you ride in a car, the stuff you eat, the stuff you drink, everything in your world, the stuff you wear is driven somewhere in a car. And that's why we love talking to Lauren Fix, the car coach, about everything automotive. Welcome, my friend. Hello. Yeah, that was great. You pretty much got everyone. Even if you live in a big city, you might ride in a cab. So you ride in a car. So you need to know about this stuff. Yeah, we need to know about everything because cars are integral to our existence on this planet, in this world. And especially, True. especially now as they're getting more expensive 
and we're keeping them longer and all that stuff. So I'm glad you're here. If you're not following Lauren, she's all over social media. You can see her on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and of course the YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports. It's on there. You should sign up. You should subscribe. You'll get car smarts. It's wonderful. Lauren, I, I saw this story and I thought immediately, wait a minute, didn't we get a car manufacturer telling people not to park their cars in a garage? This is Lincoln Mercury telling people if you own one of these cars, don't park it inside a garage, put it out on the street. Yeah, we've seen it with a few brands. Uh, the Prius had that problem. Not the Prius. I take that back. It was the Chevy Bolt EV yes, had that, that problem. That was it. That was it. And the, yep. it, it was the fact that it might catch fire. And then Volvo had one, too, didn't they, recently about some some tailgate thing that if the back the lift on the back had a problem? That was Jeep. Uh, see, there's so many car brands out there. It's crazy. you got to keep up with all of them. That was Jeep, and it was older vehicles that had power lift gates that if it got older and rusted, the water would get down into the from the tailgate and cause a fire. So those are being recalled. And now we have the 2015 to 2019 Lincoln MKC, which is the small one, which is now a Corsair. But back in the day, from 15 to 19, it was called an MKC. It's recalled for a fire risk. Owners are told to park their car outside. This impacts about 142,000 thousand vehicles under this recall i highly suggest if you own an mkc your neighbor does you have friends that do whomever it is someone at work tell them to call the dealer ask for the service department and they will get it fixed not every single vehicle is under this recall and not every single vehicle is going to catch fire but if there's a chance of two or three that have they're going to put out a recall for your protection yeah well that's smart that's very smart mm -hmm. and didn't you say you know someone who has one of these cars my mother-in-law so I already sent this a uh, note over to her because she's she's older and and she bought the car new and she bought it off the lease and you, it's easy for them to forget about national highway traffic safety you know they're older they have other issues they're thinking about and grandchildren and so they don't realize that something as simple as a battery with a problem maybe they don't watch the news maybe they just read the paper they may not catch this article and figure that doesn't apply to me but in this case, it does. So I've already told her, car outside, don't worry about it. I know she doesn't like to do that, but it's for your safety and for those people that live in the house. And God forbid you're in a home that catches fire. I promise it'll be something you'll never forget. Yeah, it's a fires are not good things. And I'm glad you did that. You must like your mother-in-law. That's a good I thing. I do. I do. That's smart. <laughs> that's wonderful. Uh, something else that's happening in the, in the auto world, and I think I remember... Porsche was attempting to do this years ago, but it didn't work. And now Ford is trying to do something called fixed pricing. Explain, please. Ah, uh, yes. So um, they've decided at Ford that they're going to try fixed pricing. This was done before by Saturn, and it was also tried by Scion, which was a sub-company of Toyota that didn't survive. By the way, person in charge of Scion was Jim Farley. And Jim Farley is now the president of Ford. And it did ah. not work with Scion. It did not work with Saturn, which was a GM company at the time. And I highly doubt it's going to work with Ford. Because when you're buying something that's $50,000 on average, the last thing you want to do is just go, oh, that's the price? I'll just take it. It would be like walking into a home that's for sale, walking through it and going, yeah, I'll take it for your asking price. People like to negotiate on big purchases. You do the same thing if you're getting your roof replaced, your windows, a refrigerator. Maybe you're buying a lot of furniture. All those things are negotiable. Even the lawn service that you might or might not use is negotiable. 
But if they don't have these prices negotiable, it's concerning that when a vehicle is no longer being made, that people will still be paying the high price. And typically, hmm. that's when you see a discount. Even Apple does it. You know the prices go down on an iPad when there's a new one coming out. Yeah, and that's true. It's very common. But saying that the price is fixed, I think, eliminates salespeople, which might be the goal. But I think his bigger picture is to try and eliminate upcharging, what they call ADM, additional dealer markup. So I just saw a new uh, Volkswagen bus come out. It's electric. They're not going to be here for a year and a half. You know that people are going to go to the dealers and beg to get their hands on one. And they'll be willing to pay way more than the vehicle's window sticker. They're trying to eliminate that because what it does is it cuts people out of the market who could afford it and makes them wait years or potentially never to buy that brand. Yeah, we saw this, I remember, way back in the late 80s, early 90s when the Mazda Miata came out and it was hot. It was hot, mm -hmm. hot, hot, and it was really well-priced and people were paying five grand over the $19,000 sticker price and it seems to be a normal thing when a car gets hot. So can fixed yep. pricing eliminate that? Well, it can and it can't. I know they've got a, problem, a lot of problems with this throughout the dealer network. I know there's a new, uh, the last call Challenger. Um, and it's like a thousand horsepower car. So it's very limited people that want it. But even my local dealer said they had over 300 people contact them and they have allocation for four. <laughs> and I'm actually getting one of them. So they now have allocation for three. So um, so they, have, they had a problem in what they were doing and they actually had to come up with a system to tell people make your best offer. And, and that's not the way to sell cars. So because of that, Volkswagen wants to put a stop to it as well. They've told the dealer network, we will not tolerate you selling over the sticker price. Here's what happens. If you're a franchise dealer, you buy, you want to run a dealership. You know, Mike, you and I buy a Honda dealership. We buy the product from Honda. We service the Honda product because corporate doesn't service them. But that's how we make our money, the sale of the vehicle and the service and collision and then parts and all that. But if you jack up the price, your profit margin goes up and there is nothing they can do. It'd be like McDonald's upping the price by a dollar of each burger. In some locations, they do. We see that in grocery stores. We see that in, in a lot of places where it's more expensive in like Manhattan than it might be in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The uh, the free market capitalism thing has uh, has muscles here and it will mm -hmm. take effect. And the companies can crow about it, but I doubt there's much they can do about it. And maybe they penalize them on the allocation end. So we'll watch. Yeah, they Ford. can do that. We'll watch Ford as you've now given us this tip. And I find it fascinating that Farley came out of a company that was doing it and failed. And now he's trying it again. So, yeah, maybe, unbelievable. Maybe it doesn't Didn't work. learn his lesson. All right. Uh, one more topic. You kind of teased us. Lauren, um, Volkswagen. A couple of years ago, showed us they were bringing back the old microbus, the hippie transportation of the 60s and 70s. But this mm -hmm. is an electric thing, and it's not even going to be here for a year and a half? Well, you can get the two-row in Europe. But, but bringing it to the U.S., they did a lot of market studies. And I give Volkswagen a lot of credit for this. And they found that people want three rows. That was what was a big seller here in the U.S. If, if both were available, what would you buy? You know, what kind of platforms do you want? What kind of propulsions? So what they've come up with is a three-row uh, Volkswagen bus. It's called the ID Buzz. If you want to see what it looks like, I have the history of the, the bus as well as the current vehicle on my YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports. Uh, it came out in 1950, by the way. It was used to transport parts in the factory for 
the Type 1, which was the Beetle. And then they, there was so much demand for, boy, this could make a really cool vehicle. They created the Type 2, which was the Transporter or the Volkswagen bus. So they made June 2nd International Volkswagen Bus Day. And it, it's going to come all electric, either all-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive, because the originals were rear engines, so this will be rear-wheel drive. They'll have about 260 miles of range. They all have the same battery. There's one choice. There's no base model. So basically, they're going to all have um, a lot of really cool features, including top safety, standard heated windshield, uh, standard se seating for seven. You could go six if you don't want the captain's chairs, or if you want the captain's chairs. Uh, standard 12-way power seating, and it's going to have a round view camera. There'll be no cloth, no leather, just what we call used to call pleather. They call it leatherette. Um, a removable center console, fun colors. That was the big thing. The design had to be iconic. It had to be a throwback. So they've got three different interior colors and fun, fun exterior colors like energetic orange and palmetto yellow, mahi green, cabana blue, metro silver, and idiom gray, just to name a few. And it's 10 inches longer than the two rows. So you really get to see that color pop. Big glass roof that's electrochromatic and tons of accessories you can have a camper you can have a mattress you can have a coffee station you can have a refrigerator i mean a lot of neat things you can do um we don't have a price i'm going to give you a guess and i bet you i'm pretty darn close it's going to start about sixty-five thousand dollars, and i'm going to guess if you load it with all the goodies you might be up to 80 grand wow but I, i'm just afraid the dealers are going to overcharge but you will not see these vehicles in dealer for about a year and a half they're saying third quarter of 24, but I will tell you, it is spiritual reincarnation of the microbus, and its retro design cues are pretty, I thought I was pretty impressed. I thought they did a fabulous job. Well, I will be the judge of that, Lauren Fix. I will look at that. Because <laughs> you're a hippie. <laughs> I am. I'm a, I'm a reformed hippie, but I would not be buying an electric vehicle, no matter how cool it looked, no matter how, Me I either. would love, like, uh, like uh, what's his name, Gabriel... Um, Gary, Iglesias, Iglesias. The he was well, there. He did the he did the presentation. He had six of his vehicles there. Well, he owns a bunch of gas powered versions, and he has uh, yeah. he has three million dollars worth of the original gas engine micro buses from Volkswagen, and his are just amazing. There's videos everywhere online. I I, yeah. I hope they paid him well to sell his soul oh, out I, to uh, an electric I am vehicle. Sure. I'm sure. They I am did. sure they paid him well because he did a whole presentation. They did a video with him. There was about 600 of the original gas-powered buses there, uh, and they were all modified. It was You can see everyone had made them very personal. Um, I mean, I'm not an electric car person. I think if you want one, you should get one. Uh, but I will tell you, they're all going to be built in one factory, which I also find interesting. And they say that's going to help control costs. It's going to be made in Wolfsburg, where the original one was made, which is also – and I've actually been to the factory. It's also where the original Beetle was made. So if you're ever in um, – in Wolfsburg, in that area, you got to go to the factory. They do have really cool tours. And also, all the other brands under the Volkswagen brand name have, uh, like, little museums there. So, Porsche, Lamborghini, uh, Volkswagen, Audi, uh, Skoda, Seat. I'm missing a couple in there. But um, but it's really cool. It's That's really cool. worth going. Well, I would like to do the museum run. Not so much. I don't want to be the guy selling the electric microbuses. Give me an old <laughs> rear engine micro bus with 23 windows 
and a whole lot of yeah. miles on it, and I'd be a happy camper. Literally a happy camper. Uh, you could make it a house. We They showed it to us in Huntington Beach, L.A., and we were or outside of L.A., and we were all saying, oh, this could be new housing for all the homeless people. Yeah, I'm sure they appreciated that. Uh, Lauren, I got to hit the road myself. Her name is Lauren Fix. She is the car coach you've seen around Fox and Fox Business and the Weather Channel everywhere and wherever I am on the radio. Find her on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, but most importantly, YouTube, Car Coach Reports, that channel. You'll get free car smarts. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. 